So, most of you will recognize Francois. This is Francois' wife, Lindy. Hello, Lindy. She's real, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of you are like, oh, okay, sure, Francois. Um, so, uh, Francois and Lindy, they, they, they have opened up the floodgates in Shofar George. They, they were one of the first families to, to adopt. I was corrected that actually it was Philip and Morena, but, but they've been doing it long before they came to, so you guys don't count, eh? Hey? <laughs> so they're going to share a little bit now as well about their story. So I'm gonna, but um, I remember having uh, Monica and myself having coffee with these guys at their house, and, and we were talking and dreaming about one day when it will become the norm in Shofar George to adopt and foster, eh? And we are on the... the precipice of that becoming a reality in our church and uh, these guys were the pioneers they were the first ones and and the, and it was intentional we were trying to get we we're praying for that culture to start in our church and so they're going to share a little bit about their journey we're also going to share in philip marina they're going to share a little bit later so uh, let's stretch out our hands so we can receive what they got to say yeah, Father, I just want to thank you for Francois and Lindy. We want to thank you for the work that they're doing in this church. And Father, we just um, we pray a blessing upon them as they share with us. And we just pray that, that they will be able to receive their hearts as they have received from you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Lekker, Francois. Thanks, guys. Good evening. I am Francois. My second name is Christian. So I'm Afrikaans, born and bred in Oetswering, and now I'm in George. What a place to live. So my name actually means freedom. Francois means freedom. Who's a, is there another Francois in the house? There usually is another Francois in the house. Yeah? <laughs> Not. So my, my name means freedom, and I want to encourage you, if you don't know what your name means, after tonight, go and look what it means. It's very significant, and, and it's part of, of what God wants to birth in us. Okay, so tonight um, we're going to share just a, a little bit about our story, our adoption story. We are there. And how his story has, has truly become our story. Um, we have, uh, we have um, what do you call them again? Two girls. <laughs> Natural born children. <laughs> our biological children, there's the word. Sorry, I'm still stuck in African service. Um, so there's a picture of our family. So you can see uh, Levi is our adopted son. He looks quite a lot like me, eh? What a handsome chap. Um, and then our two biological children is um, bottom, bottom right is John. She's our eldest. And then Elizabeth, the, the huggy one. Um, yeah, and they, they are kids. Um, so our story actually starts way before we got married. Um, individually, we each felt the Holy Spirit um, working with us and really starting the process in our hearts that one day adoption is going to be part of our story. Um, I can remember this past week preparing um, and this afternoon just being reminded of a, of a picture I took while on missions um, in, in, in 2006. We went to East London to plant a church in Shofa uh, East London there. And during the week we visited an orphanage um, close to Lavender Blue, if ever one of you have been to Lavender Blue, it was quite close to Lavender Blue, um, and it in impacted me tremendously. I took a picture of two, two orphans, um, they were, um, I think they were called like James and Emma, but that was their English names, they were Klosa, um, Klosa kids, 
Um, and on the photo, I, I printed it afterwards and I put it on my um, hostel, um, on my, uh, um, on the wall of, next to my bed, and I, and I wrote out the scripture of, uh, of 1 James 27 and, and sort of a caption that says, uh, pure external worship is, is this. And it was the two of them sitting there. Um, and then before, before um, we even got married, we, we actually had a discussion about, yo, we, we think and we feel that adoption is going to be part of our, of our story. So we went into marriage um, knowing that, yeah, we're just waiting for the timing. So in, in 2018, uh, the Holy Spirit really started uh, working and, and getting the, the cogs going. Um, and we um, started looking into what it means to adopt in a South African context because a lot of our thinking of adoption is shaped not by our local context, but what's happening in America, what's the celebrity doing, and what's those people doing. Um, so what does it mean to adopt in South Africa and, and what's happening locally? Um, and we had wonderful champions in, in George to, um, yeah, to to connect with and to help us. Uh, they're actually here. Laurie Edwell. Laurie, can you put up your hand? So Laurie is from Options. Yeah, Laurie. Yeah, give her a hand. Um, yeah, Laurie, we just want to thank you for walking the road with us even before uh, Levi came home. And it's really an honor to, to have champions like you and the Life Community team in, in George that's really paved the way for us. Um, and Lindy even got a word in, in 2018, Yo, the power of prophetic words, eh? And it says, she got it at the um, Women's Awakening Camp, and it said, that, uh, just, it was Hanukkah, she got a printout, like arrive at the, at the conference, and then you get the printout, and it said, there's a dream in your heart, it's time to go for it. And that's before we started sharing, we, we want to go for this, so we started praying more about it and sell. And then in August 2019, uh, we had the privilege of bringing Levi home. Um, he was three months old. Um, yeah, so he was in a, in a place of safety with her. Um, Lindy will share a bit more about that for a few months. Yeah, and, and now we, we're privileged to be his forever parents. It's not a temporary thing. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. His birth certificate is going to, we're still waiting for it, but the process is on the way. We're just waiting, it, waiting for, for them to call us to say, come and fetch it. It's going to say, this is Levi Avuyile, that's his second name, uh, Marais, as, uh, born on this day, as if born of Francois and Lindy Marais. How awesome is that? Huh? So there's no doubt about that. The paperwork is there. There's no turnaround for us. Yeah. So let's see uh, what the word, what does the word say about adoption? So we've got this wonderful scripture from, um, not scripture, uh, the previous slide, yeah, J.O. Packer. So he says this, adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Hey? It's higher even than justification. Yo, what a profound statement. Um, and just to, to think about it, so to, to be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by a father, that's greater. There's nothing that can, can measure up to that. And we see in the Old Testament, there's already a scarlet thread leading up to our spiritual adoption in the natural. Um, I want you, just encourage you to go read, read the stories of these years of, of our faith. Moses, he's adopted. Not into a, a great family. You wouldn't have said, just God, why is Moses adopted into Pharaoh's house? Hey, do you know what you're doing? But 
Hey, that's part of his plan. It worked out for, your, for our good. David adopts Jonathan's son. Hey, his name is Mephuboseth. Naomi, she adopts Ruth. Ruth was actually a widower, was a daughter-in-law, but she takes her in and, and, and she becomes her daughter. Mordecai adopts Esther. What a great story, huh? Yeah. And then the most important one for us to reflect on is, is Joseph. That chooses to adopt Jesus. And what, what's Jesus known as prophetically from the Old Testament? He's, um, one of his names is um, the son of David. And that lineage comes through Joseph's line, not through Mary. So if, if Joseph decided, hey, sorry, Mary, it's not for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait it out. Then what would have, I mean, that would have become true. So let's jump into like New Testament context. So the Greek word for adoption is euthesia. Can you say that? Euthesia. So it originates from two words that mean you're placing as a son. So it's a legal term that in this context indicates that believers have been given the full privileges of sonship in God's family. So Paul uses this word purposefully quite a few times in the Old Testament. It's not just once or twice. So in his context, the Romans, um, it was quite in the uh, Roman culture to actually adopt. It wasn't a new thing or a funny thing or now that Christians started it. So the Romans actually did it quite frequently, and there's a few emperors that was adopted. One well-known one is Nero was adopted. But what the Romans did is, so the, when, when they saw, yes, my son or in my family, you know, the, my children is not really measuring up yet to take my legacy and, and my name because they wanted to be remembered, hey? Um, that's part of, of, of the gods and stuff, of the way they worship is I better sort myself out and I better adopt a guy that's measuring up, that can take my lineage forward. So they were actually looking for the perfect children, looking for the perfect sons to adopt and make part of their households. But Paul changes this. He says, no, wait, I'm going to use this, but I'm going to turn it for good. I'm going to turn it into the good message of the gospel. So let's read together. Um, it's Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 5. You're welcome to turn... Um, in your Bibles there, and to mark it out, and to go reflect afterwards. So it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So we see that God chooses us for adoption before the foundation of the world. So before the universe was created, adoption was already part of God's plan. It wasn't his plan B or C or the backup plan. No, that was his only plan. Hey, How great is that? Sure. So he purposely made it part of his story and the good news that the gospel offers. And so, because it's actually part of God's very nature, it's part of his forward heart to adopt. So therefore, our adoption, eh, and your adoption, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, is not based on your fitness or being the perfect son in the, con in the Roman context. No. Or your worth or your distinctness of, or how well you smell or how well you look or how well you can dress. No, it's rooted in God's eternal purpose and grace. And that means your adoption is not fragile, it's not tenuous. It's not uncertain. God will not adopt and then find out that we are some, there's something not lacquer behind the scenes. Yo, 
I don't like the way you walk. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like where you come from. I don't like how you look. No, he doesn't look at that. Yeah? It's firm. It's, it's sure and it's unshakable. So let's move to uh, another uh, scripture where the, this word adoption is used. It's in Galatians 4, verse 1 to 4. So it says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So the set time had fully come, it again says it's pre-planned. Yeah? Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his son, God sent the spirit of his son into your heart, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Interesting about the word Abba, so it's an Aramic word, not a Greek word. Um, and Jesus is the first one using that word. Even David, who was a man after God's own heart, in the whole Psalms, he never uses that word when he speaks about God as his father. Eh? Yeah what Jesus did for us. So God was willing to go to extraordinary lengths to include us in his family and instate us as sons, not as slaves. So we are adopted, adopted through Jesus Christ. And that, what does that mean? It means that God adopted us and we had to be died for. Yeah? And that's the truth. We all know that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus dies for us. He pays the full penalty for our sins and shame. And he clears the way for us to come home to be with him. To come and sit at the same table in the house of the Lord. And the veil of separation is torn. The door is opened through one perfect sacrifice. A once for all offering. And we are saved and redeemed. But God doesn't stop there, no? Because he's a good father. He says, no, no, no. I'm not just going to rescue you. I'm not going to put you up in the world and just leave you and to fend for yourself. He says, I'm going to adopt you into my family where you are loved and you're given a position of a son. And he goes further, and what does he do? He sends the Holy Spirit to seal it. So now we seal this well. So the whole point of our adoption is not about the change of our status, but the change of our relationship with our Father. And we are welcomed into intimacy with a Trinity. And by God's grace, we are both justified and adopted. And that changes everything. That should change the way we see ourselves. And it should change the way we see others and love others. Because it means I have a new relationship with my heavenly father. It means I have a new identity. I'm a new creation. It means I'm now part of a forever family. That's already starting now. It starts here. I'm already adopted into an earthly church family as well. Where I'm welcomed unconditionally. I'm loved unreservedly. And I'm cared for eternally. Okay, that's part one. Now Lindy is going to share the, the, the good juice. Okay. So we know now we are adopted by God, our Father, through Jesus Christ. But does this actually mean that we have to do the same here on earth? Okay, the point of tonight is that the answer is yes. Okay, so I will tell you why. There's three things we're going to look at. Firstly, God's example. Second, he commands it. And thirdly, it is an act of worship. So first, let's look at Psalm 68, verse 5 to 6. It says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. In Ephesians 5, verse 1, Paul writes, 
therefore become imitators of God and walk continually in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling fragrance. So God is calling us to imitate him and what he did for us and to walk like Jesus. That means being a father to the fatherless, setting the lonely in families, and laying our lives down for others. Then the second point is he commands it. In Deuteronomy 24, 17 to 22, it says, You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. Okay, then um, he goes on in verse 21 and 22, he repeats that same command again. So, um, God is commanding us to look after the fatherless and the widow and the foreigner. Um, and he says that we do it also from a place where we remember where we came from, where we were saved from. Okay, number three, it's an act of worship. So in Isaiah 1, verse, we're going to read verse 17, but in Isaiah 1, the whole chapter, if you go and read it, then God is telling the Israelites that he's really not impressed with the worship that he's receiving from them. It's quite a harsh chapter to go and read. And um, then he actually tells him what he wants them to do. So then he says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. Also in James 1.27, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The, in the original Greek text, that word that's then being translated as religion, usually in other texts it gets translated as worship. So we can read it again and read it as pure and undefiled worship before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. So looking after these children becomes an um, act of worship all right, unto God. And when we then actually take them into our homes and raise them to know God, it also becomes an act of um, evangelism and discipleship. So we are not saying that everyone should adopt or everyone should foster, but God is calling all of us to play a role. All right, so I think um, the next slide. In South Africa, we all know there is a pandemic of fatherlessness, all right? We have, um, these stats are actually underestimated. So we have 2.8 million orphans. There is approximately 3,500 babies being abandoned every year. An estimated 23,000 children living in orphanages. Um, 346,000 children in foster care. But only 1,033 are adopted. And then just on Friday in News 24, I don't know who you saw that article, it said in 2020 there were 34,587 teenagers that gave birth. Right. This does not take into account how many of them had abortions. And these are children having children, and these are children that we are called to look after. So what can we do? It's overwhelming. All right. Uh, the next slide, yes. So there's some roles. There's some things that we can do. 
I'm just going to highlight some of it. Firstly, explain what kangaroo care is, because most people won't know what that is. So when a baby gets placed for adoption, there's a three to six month period where that baby is not deemed adoptable by the courts. And then we need people to take them into their homes, care for them, love them, pray over them, break those bondages, you know. So those people usually connect with Laurie from Options here in George. And um, yeah, that's something that one can do. Then... Also, we have experienced people just giving us clothes, you know, the hand-me-downs of their children. So I never have to go to the shops. I hate the shops, so it's amazing for me. And that also um, just opens up finances for us to spend in other places. Then there were, there's a couple in our church that used to drive around a teenage girl that had a baby. She was in matric, and they had to drive her to school, from school, drop the baby at daycare, and again in the afternoons. And that helped her to complete her matric and then hopefully be a better mother one day because she can have a job. There's also people in our church that has offered children in foster care free placement in their school. Then if you are an OT, a play therapist, there's a good chance these kids are going to need your help sometime. Or maybe our biological kids as well. Um, and if you could, you could um, give your your expertise for free, that will help a lot. And then we have things like people running support groups, like we have mentioned that we are part of at um, Laurie's group at, um, from Options. And then for me, one of the biggest things is that us as, we as a church family will really embrace these children and that this will become a spiritual home for them because giving them the gift of their salvation in Jesus Christ that is the biggest gift that we can give them. Right, the next slide. We already have, in our church, we have a few people that have answered this call. And I've asked a few of them if I can use them as examples. Firstly, you will see right at the top, there's um, Alessa and Weinand Loftus. And then at the bottom is Christian and Nicolene Kemp. There they are. Yeah. With them. I mean, they've got teenagers and they are ready to adopt a baby again, you know? <laughs> so they are currently what we call paper pregnant. This means they've gone through the process and they are now waiting to be matched with a baby. So any day, um, what's going to happen, they're going to get a phone call because they're working through the same adoption agency as we did. So we know how this works. Literally get a phone call and they tell you, next week, can you come and fetch your baby? Are you ready? <laughs> Christian is ready. <laughs> so then we're going to need people to jump and make sure everything is in place for that baby or babies, maybe. We never know. Okay. Um, and then we've um, asked Philip and Morena, the Freeze from Life community, to please come and share with us. You guys can come along. They were also foster parents or all foster parents. It never ends. And then Luke and Monica will also share quickly about their, their journey. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, I want to share this with you. There's a parable of an oak tree. And the oak tree spoke these words to someone who picked up an acorn. The oak tree said, Soon my child will provide shade for cattle and a home for birds to nest in. Then after many years, we chop down, but we provide home warmth in a pleasant fire. It will provide a shelter for many in the form of wooden house. 
It will carry people across the waters in a boat. The person said to the oak tree, but how on earth is this possible? The oak tree replied, with God, my child and myself, we can do it. And when we started Life Community Services, you look into these thousands of kids that you minister to. Everyone is not a success story, but there's enough success stories to make it worthwhile. And what do we see? By and by, I'll be a blessing to many others. I will come and I will make people find comfort with me. Others will be weary and come and sit in the shadow of my strength. This is what we see in the children. I will be a comfort to many who are old and weary and filled with sorrow. I will shine in full radiance with the beauty of Christ. I will be among those who sing praises and who bring glory to my Redeemer. And that's why we set out on this journey. Our journey started with Taylor in 1994. We didn't expect it. Uh, her parents walked into our house. They were high on drugs. I've never seen people that high and still standing up straight. And we had to ask them to put out their smokes because they were smoking in our house. But we formed a relationship with them, and in one month, the mother said to me, I want to go to rehab. So she said, will you look after our baby? We said, sure we will. So why not? So we took the baby, and the six months, or the, the six weeks became six years that Taylor was with us, that we had the absolute privilege of raising this little girl. The miracle about this story is this little girl was six months old. She was a crack baby. She was in hospital for three months with withdrawal because both her parents were crack on crack cocaine. Do you know that this little girl, in the end, was a straight-A student? She became a social worker. She's got her own photography studio. There is nothing, nothing wrong with this child. This goes against all odds. And that is what we believe because God saw this little acorn and saw it could become an oak tree. And that's what God's called us to do. That's what God called every one of us to do, to see the acorns in these children. We have had 15 kids that we have fostered. Five of them have been with us for a long time. We've got five of our own. And yes, there's always been enough. God provides. So please don't look at your budget and say, I cannot afford this. You can. In some way, you can afford it. Even if you can't adopt, even if you can't foster, you can afford it in some way. And I was, we were so, so blessed on Friday night when we had our function. It was our 20th anniversary. It's actually 21 in January, but we, we had to make the 20 years quickly. And those children at the top there, it's TJ, and at the bottom back is Michelle. She's a teacher now. And then you've got Aaron, and you've got Natasha. All those children are stories of acorns who are becoming oak trees. And do you know that they are influencing others already? Some of the children that have gone through our hands are teachers. Some of them are nurses. And I run into them all the time. I had the absolute privilege during COVID, to be in the streets, feeding the kids, doing the thing, trying to get them to social distance. But in any case, so this car drives up behind me and I get irritated because I'm trying to get the kids on the side of the road. This car drives up and stops right behind me. I turn around, this guy jumps out. He runs to me and he hugs me. I thought, I know you, I know you. 
It's one of our kids. And these were his words. And he just held on to me. He said to me, Auntie Marina, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was cold, you clothed me. When I didn't have a place to stay, you took me in. You didn't ask questions. And today, he's a financial advisor at Old Mutual. So he said to me, may I please take you for a cup of coffee because of the milkshake you took me to have. I want to ask you tonight, think about the influence that's sitting in your hands that you can have on others. Thank you, my darling. Back in when I was a kid, I came across a concept called manifest destiny. There's something that you cannot run away from no matter how hard you try, it's always going to be there because there's a manifest destiny that God has in mind for every single one of us. I want to talk about that just for a minute because early in life, in our DeVries household, being growing up in Zion, Illinois, north of Chicago, I should have known back then that there was going to be, our home would be the home of the open door. Because there's never been anything else that I've ever been accustomed to, ever, in my life. We've always had that open door policy. And I'll tell you what, uh, it has been something in this wealth month that we're talking about, Amo. One of the richest experiences you can have is to have a home that is open for people to come and to take them in and make them as your own. And make them as your own. Because everybody needs to know that they're wanted. Everybody needs to know that they're loved in a very tangible way. Incidentally, I heard about East London here tonight. Back in the 1980s, there were 300 kids living on the tips in East London. And a number of us got together and started the Isaiah 58 Project in East London, where orphan kids began to have a home that they could come to and could be thrust out to. When we came here to George, we were in this vision that stated very strongly and very clearly that there was going to be the necessity for the children to have a home where they could come to. And as Miranda explained it, it is so very, 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 very powerful. But I wanted to read one passage of Scripture from out of Isaiah chapter 54 because it says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge the place of your tent. The challenge to each and every one of us in this generation and in 2021, how big of a heart do you want to have? How big do you want to get? How big is God to you? I'm challenging each and every one of us. How far do you want to go with this whole idea of fostering or sponsoring or 
adopting or whatever, and all that God is looking for is an expansion and an enlargement of our hearts for the kingdom of God. God bless you. Thank you very much. Before I give, to, give the mic over, I just want to tell you there is a cost. Be prepared for the cost. Nothing in life that's worthwhile doesn't cost you. And there is a cost. You've got to sacrifice a lot. And you must be prepared to commit. Children don't need a second rejection. And if you get involved in their lives, please commit. Awesome. Thank you. Isn't it great when Uncle Philip speaks? Well, back when the Titanic sank. <laughs> this is my wife. She's very nice. She's an introvert and she loves the attention. She loves it. Hey, Livy, it's actually. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Um, as Uncle Philip and Tani Marena is kind of, sort of, don't really know if it can ever end. Um, we are, we just started our fostering journey, and it also started years ago for us. Even before we dated, we had a heart to adopt. And during the years, it changed a little bit to fostering just because we, we love the idea of just being available at any given point in time for children who have need a place right now. And um, our heart is really to reconcile and restore family units. Um, so we just got um, Mia and Milan. They're 11 and 5 years old. And I've got my oldest is four, almost 4, Oliver. And then the little one, Robin, she's 2. So um, earlier this year, we felt like something was changing for us in a big way, and we started praying and fasting, Luke and I, and in that week, Lindy phones us and says, there's two girls, they need a place, can you take them? And we looked at each other, and we knew this was, this was our answer to our fast, and we immediately said yes, um, and we've experienced so much favor just because it's the right time and, and we're in unity. Just the paperwork from our screening to everything. We have a good relationship with their mom. Everything's going, um, went really well. But they were in um, a place of safety already. So they only came to us on the 18th of August. It's almost three months. So obviously, we're still in that transition time. Usually, you get nine months to prepare for a baby. But we're still transitioning. I was never one of those moms who were in love with her newborn babies. Obviously, I loved them, and I was committed to them, but I grew in love for them. And over time, I started enjoying them, and now I love so hard every day. I think they're the funniest people on earth. Um, and But in the beginning, I was really wrestling with this thing, and I'm being honest with you about the experience that I didn't feel the same towards these two girls as I did towards my biological children. And I wrestled with God because how can this be? This is not right. And I just felt him saying to me, I'm going to grow enough. The more I sacrifice, the more I commit, the more I serve them, the more I will grow, the more my heart will enlarge. And in that time, Lindy also sends me a scripture out of the blue. 
1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. So we're still growing. Our hearts are still enlarging. We found a rhythm and a routine that works for everybody, but our capacity is not there yet. It's been almost three months, and we're still, our hearts are enlarging. Um, there's been conflict, obviously, between the children, especially Oliver and Milan, the new youngest one. And, um, but it's so, they learn so quickly. We just addressed it immediately, and they learn so quickly. Oliver and Robin, we see them as part of our calling. They're walking in their callings as well. Even through conflict, God shows me what I need to pray into, what are issues. Um, so I'm not afraid of conflict because I know the Holy Spirit reveals things that, that need to be addressed. And Oliver and Robin are so crucial in that process, just the way they love them as well. It's amazing to see at two and almost four um, how their hearts are also enlarging. Um, yeah, just want to steal somebody else's stats. From <laughs> Kirby from Somerset West recently shared that if every church in the Western Cape just fosters two children, there are, there's no more need for foster, foster homes. Just two children per church. It's doable. Um, so we believe that everybody is called to support. Not everybody is necessarily called to physically foster or adopt, but everybody is called to support. I can't tell you how much it means if somebody just says to me, I've been praying for me, I've been praying for me, and that already means the world to me. People just offer to help with homework, to drive children around, to babysit. Um, some people in church offered to give to school me for free in their little um, private school. There are many, many ways that you can take hands with us and people who are on this journey. And I encourage you to see what are you, what are, what is your two fish and five loaves that you can bring to the table. Thanks. Thank you, Frau. Here's some way. Pretty woman walking down the street. She loves the attention. Okay, so um, I was also asked to share a little bit. Um, I don't know why, I'm a bit of a moron when it comes to parenting. Um, like all great parents, I just do what my wife tells me to do. Um, all the dads say amen. Amen. <laughs> um, so that we've, we've had a lot of questions and... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go, well, I'm, I'm going to go all over all of them, but they all basically just have the same answer. So some of the questions that we get asked is, um, uh, well, what about your own kids? Is it going to affect them? Um, other questions, well, should you first foster then or adopt, then have your own kids, or do you first have your own kids and then adopt and foster? And there's many good theories and opinions and... And all of that. But um, for myself, it came down, all of those very, very good questions, they make very good discussions, all came down to one very, very simple thing. And that is the best thing for my children is for me as a father to be obedient to what the Lord is telling me to do. Okay, so so it, it gets very, very simple when that's the lens that you look at it through. Okay, So we'll... Will fostering have an effect on my own two biological kids? Yes. 
okay? But if this is what the Lord is telling me to do, then the best thing for my kids is for me to foster. Are you with me? And, uh, but having said that, I believe that I'm raising world changers. I, you know, when, when, often when people ask that question, often comes out of a place of fear, right? Like, I, I fear that, that uh, you know, we, we kind of look at parenting like, like uh, managing the COVID virus. You know, we just got to protect our little kids and bubble wrap them and put on sunscreen and make sure that the world doesn't hurt them. But did you know that, that the biblical picture for a child is an arrow that you fire from a bow? In other words, that your child is a powerful weapon in the right hands. Right, and what is that weapon they're going to do? Well, that weapon is going to destroy strongholds of the enemy, and that is what I believe my kids can do. Okay, my kids have not received a junior Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And so I believe that that yes, will they will fostering have an effect on my kids? Yes, but I believe even more so, my kids will have an effect on my foster children. Are you with me? And I believe that my my kids will have an effect on the world. Should I be obedient? Should I should I bring up my children in the way they should go? There's this promise that that God gives that they will not depart from it. And part of the way that they should go is not to make decisions based on fear, but to make decisions based on being obedient to what the Lord is saying. So really encourage you to pray about, we've spoken about adoption, we've spoken about fostering, and not everybody's called to foster or adopt, but I do believe that as a community, we're all supposed supposed to be part of this process, and I believe that this is going to become the norm in our church, and I really want to encourage you, not necessarily to pray whether you should foster or adopt, um, but to pray, God, what is it that you're telling me to do it, and then do that. Are you, are you with me? And for some of you, it's going to be support. So I'd just like to call out a, a few people. I think Pete and Des aren't here, but Pete and Des Martin, they often come to the evening service, and they, they came to us and said, we'd like to give uh, your oldest foster child, we'd like to give her schooling for free. Uh, we have um, Karina, who's also here in the morning. She babysits our kids very often. We've had other people <coughs> help us out financially. Uh, my, my parents have been amazing. Uh, it's amazing when you have a mother whose love language is gift giving. Okay. It's, it's awesome. And, uh, and so my mother, she just thinks that she gets to buy more stuff for more kids. So she's happy. And, um, and, and to me, it's not that I'm fostering and they, to, we, to, to me, we're, we're all in this together. Do you know what I mean? We, they're all fostering. We're all fostering together. And so... There's, there's so many different ways, and Lindy did a great job at pointing them out. I really want you to pray about, well, God, what is, it the, what is the role that I'm supposed to play? And I challenge you to do it. And, and with the faith that doing that is the best possible outcome that you can achieve, not just for yourself, but also for your own children. Amen? Fantastic. Thank you, Francois. Sure. Thank you for those incredible stories. Sure. I think um, I'm excited for, for more testimonies like that because I believe, tr- I truly believe there's more stories like that coming into, into our church and into our, into our uh, city. There's a, a wonderful history story of, I think it's Spurgeon, that set up a lot of orphanages in England and they've checked those children and the effect they had on Britain is incredible. The, they've really brought about a lot of reformation. So to, if we speak about reformation, we can't, we, we can't speak about uh, not include adoption and, and foster care in the, 
in the conversation. So um, I'm going to wrap wrap it up with with saying we've heard that um, we've we've received a great joy by knowing that we are sons in the house of our living God. Um, but being a son comes with responsibility. Eh? We can't just chill it out in the living room and just open the fridge and feed ourselves. Um, there's, a, there's a life to live and there's people to reach. And when we read Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, um, we are looking to Jesus, ne? and there's a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. I see them always like running the race and there's this, the whole stadium is full and they say, yay, Francois, you're almost there. Just keep on. Hey, endure. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And verse 2 say, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Um, so when Jesus set out on his mission to save his people for adoption into, into his family, um, he saw our suffering. So Jesus saw our suffering and he chose to make our suffering his suffering. He suffered in every way for us. So he, cho- he chose us, he chose you as the joy that was set before him. So that joy was knowing that we're going to be saved and we're going to be adopted into his family. So our story literally became his story. Um, there's a guy, Bunofer, that said um, that the cross is laid on every Christian. And when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. So counting the cost means knowing that Jesus is worth it. That's a difficult thing to, to wrestle with. Counting the cost means knowing Jesus is worth it. Let's end off with um, Romans 8, this 13 to 18. We again read that you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. It says it there. You can go check it out. I'm not including it by myself. In order that we may also be glorified with us. So we see our adopted state. This should change. We see ourselves. Super important that we, we change the view and, and we learn how to love ourselves for who God has made us. But we also see that it should change the way we serve and the way we love others. Our legal, there was a legal change and it led to a position change. And now through the process of sanctification, there should be a behavioral change. We should become and look more like Jesus. Because as sons, we get to grow up and we be, especially in this church, I just want to honor our leaders for this. We, we get to grow up and we, be, we get to become more mature in the presence of our Father. Eh? What a privilege that is. And that means there's an act of becoming an ambassador. We might not walk in here and we might not be ready to jump in and adopt or jump in and to foster, but there's an act of becoming. There's a seed that's being sown. In Acts, it says beautifully that um, a po- a Paul watered and, a, and Barnabas or what the other guys, he, he planted, and the Lord gave the increase, but there was a planting that needed to be done. There was a watering that needed to be done, and then the increase came. And even though our position in the natural remains the same, our responsibility changes. So just to, it speaks in, in Romans 8 that we are no longer a slave to fear. So when it comes to adoption and, and, and foster care, I think it, it's come through through the testimonies as well. There's, there's a few fears that we can address. One of them are, um, I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough finances. That's one of the biggest stumbling blocks to people. I, I don't have enough. Um, but seeing that we in wealth months, 
let's again see, we address it and see we are co-heirs with Christ. It means we have access to the same inheritance as Christ. We don't, we don't get part of inheritance. We have access to the full inheritance. And we all have access to the same inheritance. It's equal. It's not Lucas getting more than Francois because he's a pastor. <laughs> Maybe a bit. <laughs> and just leaving this idea that the worth of inheritance is determined by the one who owns it. So who owns our inheritance? Yeah. The other great fear is I won't be able to care for someone or a child, or I won't be able to love a child who is from someone else, or from another race, or from another genetic background, or from a different culture, or from a different country. Um, but just the thought and this truth, there's no natural born children in the kingdom of God. We were all adopted into the, uh, into the kingdom of God. Yeah? No natural born children in the in the kingdom of God. We can all love because God loved us first. And then, just to address and to, if you struggle with this, is sometimes there's real tension between what we deem our culture and our heritage is, and then what Jesus asks on the other side, what's the heavenly culture that we should attain and strive and live through? And we place such a high value sometimes on our own culture that we forget to live according to the ways Jesus and the standards he said. I think the band can come up because we're going to we're going to end off here. Um, so we see that the power of, of the spirit of adop adoption, it helps us to overcome these fears. Because fears are real, let's face it. But yeah. praise God that we have the Holy Spirit to comfort us through these fears and hopelessness. And the doctrine of adoption, it gives us power and purpose and perspective to walk in our calling. And we get to share the inheritance, but we also get to share in the suffering. There's, it's there. We get to suffer with Jesus. When Jesus suffered and died to redeem and justify and adopt us, he called us to share in his sufferings too. His sufferings becomes our suffering. And the suffering of a fatherless thus will become our suffering. We will never suffer without him alongside. Without him alongside him. And in, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 5 that says, As we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we also get to share abundantly in the comfort that's alongside us and within us through the Holy Spirit. So caring for orphans, adopting, fostering, it comes with a, um, with a cross to carry, eh? It comes, it's a difficult thing, but a joyful thing. It will cost us something. We've heard it will cost you finances. It will cost you time. And I think one of the biggest things for our culture is it will cost you your convenience. Like, really. It will cost you getting out of your comfort zone. It will cost you getting yeah, your convenience and your time and your world. And it might, in some cases, it might cost you relationships with people just not agreeing with, with what you feel Jesus is leading you into. Might cost you family relationships. But may it be said that for the joy that is set before us, like the joy that was set before Jesus, that we tackled this curse of fatherlessness in George and in South Africa and in the world. Yeah? And that we chose to let his story, that we chose to let Jesus' story become our story. Okay. So I don't know if we should. Um, let, let's just, just pray and I'll, um, as we go into worship, then um, we'll ask people to come to the front if you feel the Holy Spirit leading you. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for the spirit of adoption. 
We thank you that you paved the way for us to come home and to be seated with you at the table, Lord, that we get to, to interact with you, that we get to have an intimate relationship with you, Lord, that we get to be called the sons of a living God, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that, that we have a privilege of, of being sons, but that we also have a privilege of suffering with you, Jesus, and that we get to be obedient to the call that you place on our lives. And we get to, to give our fears to you, that we get to give any hopelessness to you, Lord. You know, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we, we invite you in to, to come and show us you know, we sh how we should reach out and, and how we should put our hands to the plow when it comes to, to, um, to caring for the fatherless. Okay, so I just want to invite people, those of you who struggle with your own identity as a son, if you sit here tonight and you feel, you're, I'm not worthy to be a son of the Most High God. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel that I look, I don't measure up. Um, we see in the scripture that's not true. Jesus is the perfect son. He doesn't require perfection of us. And for those that feel um, that there's a, a dream in their heart, and there's a desire in their heart to become part, specifically become a, 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 a adoptive parent or fostering parent, if you feel, yo, there's this dream in my heart, but yo, I feel just a, a bit discouraged. Like, I don't see it really happening. Yeah. Please come forward and let us pray for you. And then if you want to be a, just for afterwards, if you want to support one of, a, uh, one of our champions in town, if you want to support Life Community, if you want to support um, options, please connect with them. Yeah. Okay. But let us worship. You're welcome to stand. Well, while we were worshiping, I was, I was just thinking, how would, how would I communicate the gospel to my foster children? And that, for that matter, how would I communicate the gospel to my own children? And, um, you know, you don't sit them get down and go, well, you know, God's very angry with you. <laughs> But sometimes this is, this is the gospel that we've heard, that God's angry with you, you know. And um, yes, I don't want to knock that, that yes, God is, there's a wrath that burns against us because of our sin. But you see, God did not set to justify us by his, the blood of his son because he was angry. It was because he loved us, for God so loved the world. And um, so when I'm trying to communicate the gospel to my children, and uh, if I think about how God communicates the gospel to us, it's, it's through sacrifice. It's about laying down my life and what I want and what I can get for my kids' sake. And, uh, and there's this thing that, that happens with Paul. He says, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? And, and for some of us, we've... We've met a Jesus because the people that we were following, we've met a wrong Jesus because the people that we were following maybe a little bit broken themselves, right? And I, and I felt that, that God wants us to, to deal with that tonight, that, that He wants to meet with you tonight as John 3 verse 16, that, that there's God who gave His Son so that you could have life because of His love for you was stronger than anything else.
So I'd just like us to take a moment, I'd like us to close our eyes. We're singing this amazing song that, that everything that we treasure is the presence of God. And, and I love this song, but the song only means something is if the presence of God is something that we value. And we value the presence of God when we've valued what Jesus has done for us on the cross because of his undying love for us. And some people have come to you and said, well, you know what? God's very angry with you. As if that's supposed to bring comfort to you. Imagine doing that to a child. There's an aspect of God's wrath that, that needs to be satisfied, absolutely. But that is why we have Jesus, that he took that upon himself. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see us, should we choose to follow Jesus? He doesn't see us, he sees his son. I'd just like us to keep our eyes closed. I don't want anyone looking around. But if you, if you have been hurt by somebody you considered to be an authority, either a parent or a pastor or somebody who's discipling with you, and, and there's, there's this thing of Jesus that you want to understand, just where you are, I don't want anyone looking around. I just want you to put your hand up. Even if it was me, I won't take offense. <laughs> just where you are, I just want you to put up. People have let you down. Amen. Thank you. You can put those hands down. And secondly, if, if, if tonight's sermon touched you, and you were thinking, well, I, I want to be that person that, that can take people under my wing. And maybe it's not necessarily adoption, but it's just it's being a spiritual father to disciple a small group. But you're, but you're worried, like, just, I'm such a mess. I'm such a screw-up. Why would anyone want to follow me? That's something I think very regularly. But, but all you have is this desire. Then all you have is, is five loaves and two fishes. And tonight, the, the call is not to think about, well, how bad a person you are, but... I, but I'd like us to focus on the goodness of God. So if that's you, if, if, if you want to be that kind of person that, that seeks to disciple, that seeks to display the spirit of adoption, because I understand that I myself have been adopted. Maybe you felt it on your heart that one day you want to physically adopt or foster. Then if that's you, I'd just, I just like all of those people to come to the front and we're going to worship together. So just where you are, let's come up front. And we as a congregation, we're going to make a stand and we're going to worship the King of Kings to display his spirit of adoption amongst our colleagues, our school friends, uh, our family, our parents, all those people. That calls for everybody. So if, if you feel that prompting on your heart, to display the spirit of adoption. Just come up front now.